glad the God she sang about is the God that we can confidently trust in. Uh, redeemer, sustainer, uh, so many descriptive words of our, our Savior. And uh, He's a reality and He's truth and He's personal and He cares about each and every single one of us. And I'm so, so thankful that we don't have to waste our life serving or uh, trying to earn favor of some dead statue or idol or some man that died and never rose again. I'm thankful for our real, live, faithful Lord and Savior that uh, we can confidently trust in no matter what comes our way. So thank you so much, Casey. Uh, today we're going to be in Mark chapter 4, picking back up in our study, following the steps of Christ. And our, our last study in this series, I don't remember how long ago it was, um, we've been kind of sidetracked for the last month or so, or two months, uh, but we talked about a parable that Jesus had given in his teaching, and we looked at that, and the events that we're going to talk about today, um, I believe, are immediately following that same day of Jesus teaching those parables, uh, and if you wonder why I believe that, you can look at Matthew 8. Uh, Matthew, or sorry, or you can look at Luke chapter 8, and they give the, the timeline, the sequence of events with Jesus teaching parables, and then turning right over into this, this uh, story that we're going to look at today. And it's a very familiar story. Um, it's the, the storm where Jesus, they are crossing the, the sea, Jesus goes into the, the boat and he falls asleep, and the disciples are kind of, uh, I guess, freaking out, for lack of better vocabulary, that there's this huge storm, and Jesus, what are you doing? We're going to die. And uh, Jesus calms the storm, and that's where we're at today. But it's Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. The title that I settled on, not that it matters, but is Why So Fearful? And in thinking of titles, I thought of several that just kind of helped keep this story in my mind. God is in the boat. The Creator is with you. Jesus is God, and He is all-powerful. Those are thoughts that if the disciples had really paid attention to, would have helped them in the storm that they had faced. They did have God in the boat with them. They had the all-powerful creator in the boat with them. Um, but they were still fearful. And I could spend the next 20 minutes just bashing on the disciples. What were you thinking? Why were you so fearful? Uh, but we better be careful doing that because we've been in a lot less sticky situations and uh, we've been overcome by fear, or we've handled it in the wrong way. So before we're like, you sorry disciples, what are you doing? Let's think about, let's put it in perspective with, you know, we're fearful a lot, and we face storms in our lives, and we react uh, a lot worse than the disciples did at times. So um, a couple of things stood out to me from this study. First of all was the fact that Jesus gives further evidence of his deity. And when I say the word deity, when I'm speaking about Jesus being deity, I'm talking about the fact that Jesus was, Jesus is God. And that's very important when we, when we look at the scope of salvation and God's redemptive plan, the fact that Jesus is God. And I define that word deity because I think I was a freshman in college before I understood what the word deity meant. And that's, that says a lot about me not being very smart, I guess, because I was in church since I was born. So you would think that would be a term that, that I would know. But just in case there's anybody that doesn't understand what deity, when I speak of deity, I'm speaking of Jesus being God. 
Jesus displays his great power in this story. Also, the disciples had ample proof of the power of Jesus up to this point. Right? They had seen Jesus perform miracles. They had seen Jesus do all kinds of supernatural things that only God could do. They had all this revelation given to them. But they get to this point in their lives, this storm comes, and we find them doubting. They had Jesus close to them, Jesus on the same boat, or at least a boat that was close to them here, and they're still fearful. Jesus is kind and patient with them, and he corrects them, but he miraculously calms the storm, and he takes care of their need, and he solves their problem. So just free thoughts before we even get into our study today. Let's look at our passage. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. And the same day, when the even was come, he saith unto them, speaking to his disciples, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him, and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you so much for this time that we have together. I thank you for the freedom that you have given to us to worship you openly and, and to not face uh, public persecution uh, at this time in our country, I thank you for the freedom that we have right now. I thank you for your faithfulness. I pray that you'll just give us understanding, that you'll work in our hearts, that you'll comfort those who are going through a, a storm or a difficult time in their life right now. I just pray that you will work in this service. I pray that we will point to you, that we will focus on you, and that we will bring you glory. Thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So that story that we just read, for me, it's important to think, wow, that really happened. Because I've heard Bible stories my whole life, and they become so familiar, almost like fairy tales. Because we know the stories, we know the details, we know what's going on, and they can just become so familiar, like, yeah, Jesus calmed a storm one time, or Jesus raised someone from the dead sometime, or Jesus turned water into wine this one time. All these stories can become so familiar to us that, it's just another story. But I want us to pause and I want us to think about this event as really happening. Imagine if you were one of the disciples on one of those boats. You think your life is over at this point. And boom, Jesus calms it. Jesus calms the storm. This really happened and it was very real to the disciples who were there. So I want us to, to think about that today. I don't want us to miss that aspect of the study because real true stories that actually happen seem to have a greater impact than some make-believe fairy tale on your life. 
there was a life-threatening storm. Jesus spoke, and immediately the storm went away. That's power right there. If it's a real story, that took real power to make that happen. I remember as a kid trying to mimic the actions of Jesus from this story, as wrong as it may have been. I lived in Michigan, and it rains 300 days a year. 300 out of 365, it's cloudy or it's raining. And it, it's, it's, it's close, right? It's, yeah, there you go. It's snowing in Michigan today. Um, and on my birthday, I like to go to the lake with my family and, you know, go to the beach, play in the water. But it always seemed to rain on my birthday. So I remember being five or six and seeing this huge storm and wind and look like tornadoes coming at you. And I'm just trying to go to Walnut Hills, this horrible beach, never go there. Um, <laughs> Last time we went, there was like a diaper floating in the water. So, but, but I remember walking out on the porch and being so bummed out, it's my birthday. So I was like, it worked for Jesus, peace be still. <laughs> and it just kept raining, right? I, I don't have that power. We don't have that power. But when we put it in perspective, there was a greater storm than just a little rainstorm going on. It was a horrible storm on this sea. And Jesus spoke. And it stopped. It was immediately calm. And that's another miracle within the miracle of Jesus stopping the storm. That's a big miracle. But think of these waves that would have been rolling. And, you know, you've thrown a rock on a pond and you see the ripples. So Jesus calming the storm. Sure, the storm would, would slow down and dissipate, but you'd still have those waves rolling for I don't know how long. But Jesus spoke. The storm stopped. And the water was like glass. Don't miss that. That's incredible. That's like two miracles packed into one going on there. So Jesus performs this miracle. When the Creator commands, things happen. And I don't know if you've considered Jesus as the Creator. The whole Trinity was involved in creation. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all involved in the creation process. Colossians 1.16 for by Him, speaking of Jesus, were all things created that are in heaven and that are in the earth, visible and invisible. John 1, 3, all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Amen. Yes, Jesus is Creator God. Yes, Jesus has complete authority over the elements. So just a little background going into this story. How could Jesus calm the sea? How could He calm the storm? Because He created it. And He is more powerful than any storm. He's more powerful than any wave. Jesus told it to do something, and it obeyed. Look at verse 35. And the same day when the even was come, He saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. So Jesus had just had a long day of teaching and preaching. If you can remember back to when we talked about the parables, Jesus was teaching. He was giving it all that He had ministering to people. This was happening along the shore of Galilee. A long day of teaching people that would reject Him. So it's exhausting to teach people that want to, to listen and want to learn and want to take what you're saying and grab onto it. But it's real exhausting to teach people that don't care and, and don't want to listen. They just kind of want to see the show. Amen. Like, 
just exhausting, like talking to a brick wall, but trying your best to get it to understand what you're saying. So imagine this emotional part of Jesus' ministry, where him, yes, doing the work, being exhausted, but also doing the work and emotionally being exhausted, because yes, Jesus was God, but Jesus was also man. He was God in the flesh, and we'll see some more of his humanity revealed in this story today. But as the day turned into evening, Jesus tells his disciples that they all are going to go over to the other side of the lake. They're going to go from the, the populated northwest corner over to the less inhabited eastern side. And I don't know how familiar you are with the, the map of the Sea of Galilee, but if you, if you can picture it or you can look at the back of your Bible, whatever you want to do there to try to visualize them going from one corner of the sea over to the other side. For a bunch of fishermen, remember the disciples, a lot of them were fishermen? This would normally be an easy task. They were probably even able to use their own boats. And we know they, they left what they had to follow Jesus, but there's still accounts of them having their fishing boats tied up to a dock somewhere. Okay, so they were able possibly to even ride across the sea in their own boats. So they would have been experienced seamen, if you will. They would have known how to handle the sea. It's not some, some clown like me jumping in a sailboat and trying to sail. It's people that knew what they were doing. Look at verse 36. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. So they send the massive crowds away. And you remember how big this crowd was? It was such a big crowd. They were, they were pressing on Jesus so much as he was teaching that he had to get in a, a boat and sit on the edge of the boat and then teach the people from there. You can look at uh, the beginning of the chapter, verse number one, if you want to see those details. But the, he's done teaching the crowd. They send the crowds away. They get into ships. Did you catch that when we read that? Like more than one. And the word used there for disciples could include more than just the twelve. It could have been those who truly believed in him and, and truly were following him. So in my mind, hearing this story, I always thought everybody packs into a boat and they head across. Well, Jesus is on a boat. The disciples are on a boat, but there's, there's other boats around them. So you have this convoy of these sailboats going across this, this Sea of Galilee. Are you picturing this in your mind? They start sailing to the other side. As I said, normal, familiar activity for many of these men. And they're going across the Sea of Galilee. What do we know about the Sea of Galilee? It's a, it's a relatively large freshwater lake, if you're wondering. It's 13 miles long. It's 7 miles wide. This is an interesting fact. It's about 700 feet below sea level. So it's, it's down in a, in a hole. It's fed by springs, natural springs, and the Jordan River flows into this, this sea. It provides drinking water um, and a great fishing industry for the people. And it, it still does that. It still accomplishes that a couple thousand of years, thousands of years later. It's surrounded by steep hills and steep cliffs. So big mountains around it, kind of scaping down into this, into this draw, and then there's this, this sea in the bottom that's 13 miles long, 7 miles wide. 
when the cool air comes off the surrounding mountains and cliffs and meets with the warmer air down in the bottom on the lake, guess what happens? It gets windy, right? Tornadoes in Michigan again. If it's warm and it starts getting cold, you know, start heading to the basement because it's coming at you. But we have this effect on this lake with the cold air coming off the mountains down to this bottom with the lake, and then a storm can happen just like that. And you would think of these fishermen, if they're experienced, they're not trying to sail when it's obvious that there's a storm coming. So in my mind, it's, it's a nice day for sailing across, nice evening for sailing across this sea. So they're sailing, um, they're going across the lake. Um, this lake, there are accounts where the waves reached over 10 feet. We're talking little, we're not talking like a great lake, we're not talking about an ocean, we're talking about a small lake with waves over 10 feet tall. And I imagine myself in a little fishing boat, that's not good, like good things aren't going to happen at that point. So this lake has the potential to have horrible waves and storms. On the day of the account we are studying, I picture Jesus and his disciples sailing across the sea with a nice peaceful breeze. You know, it's a nice breeze blowing their, their ships right where they want to go. Perfect conditions for Jesus to take a nap. Right? He was, he was tired. It shows his humanity here. We said he's God, but he is also man. So he is tired, and he is very tired. How do we know he's very tired? Because the storm doesn't even wake him up, which I can't even imagine that. But we have these conditions. We have this boat going across. Jesus is taking a nap in the boat. The conditions change rapidly. Look at verse 37. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And you can look at the other accounts in the other Gospels, and you can see it's getting bad in a hurry. Water is coming in the boat. They're going down. They're sinking. And these fishermen would have been doing everything they could to save their boat, to save their lives. So they're exhausting all their resources, everything they know how to do to preserve their life. And eventually they're going to go to Jesus, but let's look at some details before we get there. We have this storm of hurricane force winds happening. We have the, the fishermen being used to stormy conditions, but they're doing everything that they can do. The storm gets so bad, it looked like their situation was hopeless. They thought that they were going to die. They thought they were going down. They thought that it was over. They're going to die in the middle of this small freshwater lake that had given them their income for so many years. They frantically go and find Jesus. Look at verse 38. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, Carest thou not that we perish? And in the other accounts, of one account has them saying, Master, Master. Matthew's account has them saying, Lord. And can't you just imagine these disciples, though, running up to Jesus, finding him, and all speaking at the same time? So we have these, these different titles thrown out for God here. Master, Lord, Teacher, trying to get his attention, trying to wake him up. So we have this frantic scene going on here. But Jesus was sleeping during the storm of the century, in this boat, on a, a pillow. He must have been pretty tired. And when I read this, I, I think of, of flying. 
when I step on an airplane, like, I automatically become sleepy, like, almost pass out before I can get to my seat. Anybody else sleep on, not that I fly very often, but get to my seat. I fall asleep, um, and I'm, I'm sleeping, right? I'm out. But we take off, and you get that little bump of, of turbulence. It's like you're only halfway sleeping, but you're really tired and you're sleeping. So you hit this turbulence, and like you think the plane's going down. <laughs> I, I'm sure it's in part of your dream while you're sleeping on the plane. You know, you freak out and hit the people next to you be, because you think the plane is crashing like you've been shot down or something. And it's, it's a little, just a little bump. But think of Jesus sleeping here. Imagine the boat being tossed all over the place by the wind. And Jesus isn't awake. Jesus is sleeping. He was either a really good sleeper or he was very, very tired. But really, I think it's just part of the the whole experience for the disciples' faith to be tested. But we have Jesus who is very sleepy. He's in the boat sleeping. Think about this. The storm didn't bother Jesus. The boat was rocking all over the place and Jesus was sleeping like he was in control. The storm didn't surprise Jesus. Jesus knew the storm was coming. Jesus knew just how to handle the storm. Like real life parts of this story, but put that in our perspective today, in, in the storms that we might face in our life. Jesus knows the storms that we face. Our storms don't surprise Jesus. And Jesus knows just how to fix. Jesus knows just how to handle our storms and how to help us through them. So we have Jesus sleeping in the boat, being calm, sleeping, tired. But the disciples are just don't know what to do. Jesus, we're going down. Jesus, wake up. Jesus, don't you care? We're going to die. Jesus, help us out here. Can you picture this? These grown men, their life is on the line and they're giving everything they have trying to wake Jesus up and trying to let him know that we're going to die, Jesus, and you're going down with us. Don't you care? Don't you know? We need you. I can picture them shaking Jesus, trying to wake him up. I'd imagine it took a little effort for them to wake Jesus up because if the storm hadn't woke him up yet, I imagine them just doing everything they can to wake Jesus up. But Jesus wakes up, verse 39. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Jesus wakes up and talks to the storm. For us to talk to a storm is, is silly. We can talk to it all day and it's still raining. But Jesus is perfectly normal for him to talk to the sea or to the storm because he has power and he has authority over all elements of his creation. So he speaks and the wind stops. He told the sea, peace be still. And it was still. They obeyed immediately. They ceased and there was a great calm. And that's why I believe it was, it was immediate because it says there was a great calm. If it was still choppy and waves are rocking the boat, 
who's going to record there was a great calm? But it's recorded that there was a great calm. This is a miracle. Storms don't just stop like that. Waves don't just stop. And I want us to pause for a second and consider the details. Consider the power behind what Jesus had just accomplished. Then we get to verse 40. Jesus had just rebuked the storm, and it obeyed. Verse 40, and he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? So the storm's over. The sea is completely calm. And then Jesus looks at his disciples and says, Why are you so fearful? And then I like to think about all the other ships that are around here too. Because there would have been a lot of different boats involved in this storm. And everybody there got to witness this, this, this stormy, choppy sea just going flat like glass. And then Jesus stands up, why are you so fearful? Don't you know who I am? Don't you know how powerful I am? Haven't you seen my power on display in the past? Don't you know that I'm right here with you? And he had revealed to them some of what his, his purpose was, was that he was, he was going to, to die and take away the, the sins, of, or pay for the sins of the world, the sin debt of the world. So Jesus had this, this purpose and this plan, and he was always about his father's business. And it wasn't his father's will for him to drown in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. Right? He was, he was going to go to the cross, and he was going to shed his blood. And then he was going to raise again from the dead. So had the disciples been able to put all this together, it could have helped their fearful situation a lot. They could have known, hey, we're not going down in the sea. Jesus isn't going to die this way. So Jesus asks them, why are you so fearful? Why don't you have faith? When their lives were on the line, their lack of faith was exposed. They had seen Jesus work in others, but now it was real. See where I'm going with this? Now it was personal. Their lack of faith was wide out or in the open for Jesus to see. Yes, they followed Jesus. Yes, they trusted in Jesus. But when it got really bad for them personally, they doubted. And they had questions. And they were fearful. And they thought it was over for them. But think about them prior to this, following Jesus around, just watching Him work and watching Him minister. And, and I would imagine them even thinking, this is me imagining why don't you people believe in him? He's, he's right here. His, the proof that he's real is evident. Why don't you people believe in him? Don't you see the miracles that he's doing? Where's your faith? But then it comes to them and it becomes real in their own lives. These struggles become real. And they have a lack of faith. And their faith is struggling. And it's made open. Can't you step back and see this play out in our own lives, though? Like someone's going through something, and, and our response is, I'll pray for you, or, 
or God is with you, God can help you. Just trust in God, He'll get you through this. You ever, you ever done that or said that? And that, that's great to tell people because it's, it's true. God is with us. God does care about us. But what about when it's us that's in the storm, that's struggling? Are we, oh, what am I going to do? Are we so fearful and, and wondering, God, where are you? What's going to happen to me? Are you real? I need you. We can tell other people, but when it comes into our life, do we have that faith? Do we have that, that confidence and that, that trust in God? We can beat up the disciples, but when it's real in our life, how's our, how's our faith? Verse 41, And they feared exceedingly, and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Amen. What was their response? Jesus called them out for their lack of faith, but their response is, is fear. Because they're starting to understand that they are in the presence of God. God in the flesh come down and they were standing with Him. And their response was awe and wonder and fear that they were ministering, they were standing with God. And God had just saved them. That response is interesting to me, but it's a familiar response that we see throughout Scripture when people really understand that they're in the, the presence of God. Like Isaiah, Amen. woe is me, for I am undone, I am a man of unclean lips. That, that response to the holiness of God, to the, the fact of the reality of God, it impacts you. And that's what these disciples were, were facing here. They were understanding how great and how powerful God is, and they were understanding that they were in the presence of Him. In this story, we can see the divine glory of Christ. We can see evidences of His deity. We can see that He is the creator and the controller of the natural world. We see Jesus rescuing His followers even though they were fearful and faithless. They tried everything they could before they went to Jesus, and then even then, Jesus, we're dying, don't you care? But Jesus still was there with them. This text also serves as a reminder that believers today can rest confidently in the power of the Lord of all creation. The, the fact that we can look at this story and we can say, yes, Jesus could save them from a real storm, a choppy sea, or it looked like they were going to die. And we can reflect and we can say, God is able to deliver us or at least help us through any storm. That doesn't mean that storms and trials won't come. Have you found that to be true? As believers, there's still storms and trials. 
life still hurts at times. The trials and storms will come, but we do have an all-powerful God that we can confidently rest, rest in and trust in. And I'm so thankful for that reality. And I'm so thankful for the examples of, of people throughout history who were following Christ, who were giving God everything that they had. They had given their life to Him and they were serving. And they spent a lot of their Christian life in prison. And they end up being executed for Christ. But their response was still, God is faithful and God is still helping me through and God is still real and God is still there no matter how difficult I am or what I'm facing. What an incredible attitude. And I want to have that. I want to have that, that trust and that confidence in God because He's worthy. And He is true and He is faithful. And we should be able to trust in Him no matter what storm. Because He is faithful and He is there. I want you to think about our storms don't surprise Jesus. Jesus knows just how to handle everything that we're going through. No matter how bad it is, we can still trust in Him. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We have a wonderful Savior. We have an amazing God who is always faithful, no matter what we're going through. And we can always trust in Him, and we can always rely on Him. Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank You so much for this reminder. Such a familiar story. Um, but what a great reminder of the fact that uh, You are God and You are all-powerful and, and nothing that we face is bigger than You. No problem that we have is too big for You. There's nothing we face that You can't handle. I just pray that You'll help us to trust in You and that we'll carry that attitude into those difficult times, into those tough times. I pray that You will just help us, that You will help our faith, that You will help us to not be fearful, but that we will trust in You and that we will fully rely on You. In Jesus' name I, pr I pray. Amen.